Senator Lindsey Graham on the political war in Washington, promise keepers in the state of American men, and Confederate Railroad gets back on track. That's Trey Corley in the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Filbury. And now, here's Mike Huckabee! Thank you. Thank you very much. Welcome to our show. We're going to have a lot of fun tonight. This audience is already having fun. I'm thinking some of you should join them one of these days. Come to Nashville area, join us here in our studio, and have the time of your life. And the tickets are free. How about that? All right, here's a question. What happens in your family or business if you spend money you don't have or borrow money you can't afford to pay back? Well, maybe something gets repossessed, or your home goes into foreclosure, or your paycheck gets garnished, or you could even be arrested and charged with a crime. But what happens when Congress spends money it doesn't have or borrows money that it can't afford to pay back? They get reelected. That's what happens. Now, shouldn't they live by the same rules you have to live by? Trust me, they will never do it voluntarily. Now, 49 of the 50 states have a law that forces them to balance their budgets. Vermont is the only state that doesn't. Well, at least they don't have to by law, but they do it anyway out of the common sense to manage things prudently. All the years that I was a governor, we balanced the budget. Oh, yeah, we did it because it was the right thing to do. We also did it because it was the law. And frankly, I wasn't about to go to jail because the legislators had an incurable case of spending diarrhea. Just wasn't going to do it. Right now, I'm on the board of a national organization that's seeking to get a majority of state legislatures to call for a constitutional convention to propose a balanced budget amendment. If it's ratified, the federal government would have to do what your family or your business has to do, live within its means. Now, for those who are fearful of amending the Constitution, it wouldn't be the first time, and I don't know if you realize this, but most of the amendments, I think you would agree, have made our country better, whether it was giving women the right to vote, guaranteeing due process, presumption of innocence, or private property rights. It's not an easy pathway to get a balanced budget amendment, but important things rarely are easy. But I'm convinced that Congress will never impose spending limits upon itself. So it's time to invite them to stop spending our grandchildren's money and robbing piggy banks all across America just so they can promise free stuff to get votes and using other people's money to do it. By the way, recently, Republican Senator Mitch McConnell cynically observed that no one ever lost an election for spending money. And sadly, he was right. But people would lose more than an election if they actually would go to jail for not balancing the federal budget. And maybe, just maybe, it's time to quit believing that Congress will voluntarily curb spending any more than it is to believe that a four-year-old will pick asparagus over ice cream. I say it is time for the balanced budget amendment. And by the way, if you disagree, then will you pay more to the government in taxes to help them pay for all that free stuff they're buying on credit? I bet not. That's my view. Over the past couple of weeks, there has been a lot of news out of Washington. Also, a lot of overheated political theater. To help us sort out which is which, I recently spoke with the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee and my friend, Senator Lindsey Graham. Take a look. Senator, delighted to have you with me. I want to begin talking about uh, the infamous squad. Uh, the president seems to have gotten himself <laughs> in an incredible battle. Uh, help us all understand some historical framework for a president uh, 
having it out with a couple, with, well, with four <laughs> freshman congresswomen. I don't know if there's any historical precedent for what Donald Trump has gone through since he's been elected. The problem is they wanted to impeach him the same day they got sworn in, before Mueller even issued his report. So the problem is that the four people he's arguing with hate his guts, they don't recognize he's president and he's fighting back and their agenda for America would destroy our economy and to our friends in Israel, that would be the end of Israel as we know it. So I'm glad the president's fighting back. Just don't make it personal, make it about policy. I'm glad you brought up Israel. I just was there last week. Uh, there's some real anxiety, uh, un understandably yeah, so, that if something were to happen to President Trump, uh, Israel yeah. doesn't have the friend that it currently has. And I think they all recognize how critically important this president has been in bringing some stability to the Middle East and specifically to Israel. It's, it's near and dear to your heart. Uh, explain to our audience why this truly does matter. Common values and common enemies. Israel's a democracy, we're a democracy. Israel's religiously tolerant, so are we. You can have your say in America, no matter what your background. Same in Israel. It's the one place, Mike, I feel safe visiting in the Mideast as a Christian. They've done a great job of protecting Christian holy sites and every other religion, religious sites. Common enemies, name one group that wants to destroy Israel that doesn't want to destroy us. Iran is trying to develop a nuclear bomb, not a power plant. They will use it against Israel unless somebody stops them. Donald Trump is standing up to the Ayatollah who's a religious Nazi. There's so much at stake in this election. For us to stay safe here at home against radical Islam, we gotta have a strong military and we gotta keep our foot, our foot on their throat or they'll come here again. And when it comes to Israel, if somebody doesn't stop Iran, Israel's in a world of hurt. And this is why I like the president so much. How much pressure has the president put on Iran and what's been the effect of it to, to try to bring them to their senses, if, if that's possible? Well, one, he's brought them to their knees economically. You know, I grew up in South Carolina and my, my dad had a, a restaurant and a bar and I grew up in the back. And the one thing I learned is if a guy's threatened to cut your throat, don't buy him a knife. Given the Ayatollah $150 billion <laughs> was the dumbest thing in history, he's took the money to dismember the Mideast to build up his military. And so their economy is uh, in a nosedive because of the sanctions. The president's put them in a real box. He's willing to work with them, but here's what I tell you a good deal looks like. They can have nuclear power, but they can't enrich or reprocess because when they tell you they don't want to bomb, they're lying. And here's what I believe. If the Ayatollah had a nuclear bomb, he would use it against the Arabs and the Israelis, and we can never let that happen. You mentioned impeachment earlier. I want to get right back to that because, I mean, there's not one of the million chances <laughs> that the U.S. Senate would ever actually remove Donald Trump. So what's the point? of the House even threatening this sword over the head of the president. They're driven by hatred of this president. They're out to get him. And there are 31 Democrats who represent congressional districts that Donald Trump won. If they vote for impeachment, we take back the House. If they don't vote for impeachment, they probably get a primary. So this is a nightmare for the Democratic Party and it would be terrible for this president of the country to go through impeachment without any real evidence to justify it. Senator, I've actually felt a little sorry for Nancy Pelosi. I can't believe I'm saying that, but <laughs> my gosh, she's uh, yeah. <laughs> having trouble controlling four freshmen. I mean, this has never happened to a speaker that I can ever remember. <laughs> well, we've had our moments as Republicans, but when you add up what these four members of Congress want to do, they want to impeach the president. They want to take your health care away from you. They want to basically side with uh, those who want to destroy Israel rather than with Israel. Uh, the Green New Deal means there's no way to get to Hawaii unless you can swim or, you know, I guess take a rowboat. The bottom line is their agenda is really <laughs> radical and it's driven by, by hatred of this president. Trump's going to win. And one of the reasons he's going to win is that the face of the Democratic agenda is now represented by these four uh, female members of Congress who are way out of touch with the American people. There's been very little progress on immigration, even though the president, uh, more than a year ago, sat down and basically offered an extraordinary opportunity to resolve DACA uh, in exchange for a right. very modest <laughs> contribution toward border security. Will anything happen before the election? Are we just going to have to suck it up and wait till after 2020? 
I think some things can't happen and must happen. It's no longer an option regarding our border. Uh, we're on track to have a million people come here legally, most of them from Central America. If we don't change our laws, Mike, this never stops. If you bring a small child to our border from Central America, we have to release the entire family after 20 days. That's not enough time to adjudicate the case. If you claim asylum coming from Central America, your hearing's two or three years down the road, nobody ever shows up. My bill would require asylum claims to be made in the home country of Mexico, not in the United States. And my bill would allow the uh, Department of Homeland Security to have time to adjudicate a claim involving a minor so we don't have to release them. Finally, I just got back from the El Paso sector. We released 52,000 people already this year because we don't have enough space to hold them. We don't want to separate families, so we let them go. I want to adjudicate families, not separate them. We need to change our laws. I think that's possible because if we don't, we're going to lose complete control of the border. Senator, we've known each other a long time. My final question, are you having fun yet? <laughs> I'm having the most fun that the law would allow as a politician in Washington, D.C. Donald Trump has made my day. He's been a really good president on the things that I care about, conservative judges, a strong military. The bottom line is I'm enjoying myself immensely because with President Trump, anything and everything is possible. Well, we've enjoyed having you. Hope to do it again. Thanks and uh, keep the faith and keep the fight. Our thanks to Senator Lindsey Graham for joining us, and we wish him well in working across the aisle without having to wear a suit of armor. By the way, you can keep up the latest news on the senator at lgraham.senate.gov. Also on Twitter at Lindsey Graham SC. Now, Keith Bilbrey spent years as the announcer at the Grand Ole Opry telling what guests were coming up. You know, I think we can trust him to tell us what's ahead in the show. I certainly will. Coming up, comedian Dennis Regan and Huck's hero Sheila Harper. Later, the return of the Promise Keepers, plus the music and media controversy of Confederate Railroad. All on Huckabee. Welcome back. Last week, we hosted a truly inspiring event right here in our theater in Hendersonville, Tennessee. Our friends, the Annie Moses Band, host an annual summer music camp for young musicians. The big final gala was performed right here, right here on our stage in front of a live audience. One of the great superstars of country music, Randy Travis, even came to be in the audience just to encourage these young artists. And I had the honor of emceeing the event. Now, one of the young artists was a seven-year-old bass player who, at seven, plays way better than me. These are some truly gifted kids. By the way, if you've got a son or daughter who wants to grow in their musical skills, you might want to consider sending them to next year's Summer Music Festival and the camp. And if you'd like the details, go to AnnieMosesMusicFestival.com. Hey, speaking of great music, we've got a wonderful special coming up on TBN this Monday, July 29th. It's called Huckabee Presents with Joe D. Messina and the Martins. It'll be 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central. Do not miss this. It's their songs and the stories behind them. It's fun. It's delightful music. And if you miss it, you're going to be sorry. I, will, I know where you live. <laughs> you will be sorry. I will egg your house. That's what I'm going to do if you don't watch this. <laughs> All right, well, you know my next guest from his TV appearances on Comedy Central, Showtime, David Letterman, Jay Leno's Tonight Show, you name it, he's been on it. Well, you might know him also from his own YouTube series called That Darn Dennis. Would you please welcome the very funny Dennis Regan. Yeah. Hey. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I'm happy to be here. They put me in a nice hotel, a real nice hotel, but they screwed up my reservation. Not the, not the Huckabee people. They didn't screw up the, my reservation. No, you don't need to fire anybody. It was just the, uh, the hotel. I had requested a, a no-smoking double bedroom. They put me in a no-bed double smoking room. <laughs> but I don't complain. I don't complain. I just sit on the floor and smoke two pipes. 
I was in the hotel spa for a minute. I was getting a manicure for the big show, you know? And, uh, and I saw a young couple in there, and uh, the guy had gotten a sunburn. They were getting some cream for his face, and his wife said, his wife said, I wonder why your nose gets more red than the rest of your face, which that's a good question. And the guy said, I don't know, maybe it's because my nose is closer to the sun. <laughs> now, I'm not an astrophysicist. I'm not an astrophysicist or a physioastrologist or even a gastroenterologist. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure I get a better grasp of the situation than this guy. This guy thinks the sun's rays travel 93 million miles through space, penetrate the Earth's atmosphere, come through the exosphere, the stratosphere, the troposphere, turn his nose a little bit red, and then just fizzle out completely <laughs> before they can go another half inch to his face. I mean, if this guy's thinking was correct, tall people would be walking around with their hair on fire, <laughs> and all short people would be frozen solid. <laughs> I saw a sign, I saw a sign in the, in the spa uh, for a face treatment. It said, look 10 years younger in just 10 minutes. So that sounded pretty good. So I paid for an hour. <laughs> I paid for an hour. I came out of there looking like a baby. Like a little toddler baby. Didn't last, so it didn't last. So an hour later, I was in my mid-40s, headed right back here to 64 years old. 64, that's okay. I'm still here. I'm in show business. I <laughs> got a manicure. 64, that's, that's one thing I didn't like, though. I took a nap about a month ago. I woke up with a stiff neck. Yeah, I, I hurt myself sleeping. You ever had a sleep-related injury? kind of discouraging. <laughs> Apparently, after face facts, now I'm getting a little bit older and I just can't sleep like I could when I was younger. <laughs> Heck, when I, was, when, I, when I was 20 years old, I could sleep 10 hours, wake up, and feel terrific. Have a bowl of Apple Jacks and go back to bed. <laughs> now I can't take a two-hour nap without pulling a muscle in my neck. Apparently, I have to do some stretching before I turn in. You know, limber up a little bit before I hit the hay. Could be a hamstring next time. Maybe I should just sleep on a stretcher in case you have to wheel me into surgery when the alarm goes off. Wheel me into surgery. What the heck happened to you? What the heck happened to you? Nothing, doctor, I was asleep. And I just pulled up lame for some reason. And I woke up and I was brushing my teeth and I kind of dislocated my shoulder. And I was putting on my socks and I broke both my ankles. Can you take a look at me, please? My memory's getting worse, quite a bit worse. I'm surprised. You ever walk into a room, you have no idea why you went in there? Yeah? Well, I, I might be able to top that. Last week, I flew to Chicago. <laughs> Standing in the middle of Chicago, going, I know I came here for something. I would, just, I would just fly to Chicago for no reason. Oh, that's right, I'm looking for my glasses. And a piece of paper to write on. By the way, why does Starbucks ask me what my name is for? It's none of their business. It's none of their business what my name is. Just give me a cup of coffee, I'll give you $9, we'll call it a transaction. <laughs> I know they want to write it on the cup, right? That's the, way they, that's the way they operate, but that's not the way I operate. I've started doing this, they go, what's your name? It's, uh, it's Glarbstintinford. <laughs> what is it? It's Glarbstintinford. Yeah, it's spelled just the way it sounds, Glarbstintinford. Yeah. G-L-A-R-B-S-T, and another T, E-N-T-E-N-F-O-R-D. And another D. Glarbstintinford. Some people just call me Glarb for short, but I prefer Glarbstintinford. I recently did that at Starbucks, right? I have enough cash, I have the $9, so I'd use my credit card, which has my real name on there. So the guy's, the guy's like, your name's Dennis. You're not Glarbstintinford. You're not Glarbstintinford at all. Why did you say you were? I'm like, yeah, you're, you're right. Dennis, that's my given name. That's on my birth certificate and driver's license and everything. Glarbstintinford is my nickname. Yeah, I got that real early on. I got that as a little kid because my, my sister Peggy was a little baby. She couldn't pronounce Dennis. Yeah, and it just came out Glarbstintinford. 
And then every, it just took off. That's where everybody calls me. My nephews, they call me Uncle Glarbstenton for... I kind of like it. One thing I don't like is I can't find a keychain with the name Glarbstenton for down there. A mini license plate for my bicycle. You guys have been a blast. Thank you very much, and uh, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Thank you. Been to Nashville before? Is this oh, first been time? I've been to Nashville plenty of times. Have you? Yeah, but I don't think um, I don't think it was in July. <laughs> uh, it's hot out there. It's real hot, and uh, yeah, not. I see a lot of more skin these days. People, you know, you're not not so much clothes. <laughs> Have you noticed a lot more tattoos? Tattoos are a lot more yeah. popular these days. Did you ever? You ever get a tattoo? Did you ever? Get you think that? I'm going to tell you? <laughs> well, I guess not. No, no, I didn't uh, actually. I, it's called varicose veins. That's all I've got. It's just, it's like... I like that. The only tattoo I got, I got a tattoo when I was 22 years old. I got my girlfriend's name tattooed here. <laughs> Melinda, that was her name, Melinda. And I got her name tattooed right here on my arm. And uh, I regretted it about a week later when she, when she broke up with me. Uh, yeah, six days later, exactly. To be, to be safe. Was it because of the tattoo? No, she met a new guy named Kyle, <laughs> which uh, she wanted to go out with, if you can believe that. That's a stupid name for a boyfriend, isn't it, Kyle? <laughs> anyway, I was, I was sorry I had uh, about the breakup, but I was also sorry I had the name tattooed on. So the tattoo guy was Big Mike. It was a Big Mike tattoo parlor. And I went back there to get it removed, but he said he couldn't removed it, remove it, so we just had it changed. So it said, uh, Melinda doesn't love me anymore. <laughs> and uh, it was like that for a while. I was okay with it. Like, people kept telling me that was a weird thing to have tattooed on my arm. So finally, I went back to Big Mike's again, and I had him change it again. So it said, Melinda doesn't love me anymore. Melinda loves Kyle. <laughs> and it was like that for a long time. I don't know, like two, maybe three years. And then I heard that Melinda and Kyle broke up. <laughs> and uh, I went back to Big Mike's. I wanted to do an update on my arm. You know, I wanted to do an update. But Big Mike said there was no more room on my arm. I was going to say, how much, how he, much of your arm did this there take? There was no more room on So I had him put see other arm on the bottom <laughs> down there. And over here, I had him put... I'd had him put Melinda and Kyle broke up. <laughs> and uh, a couple of months ago, I, re I, I found uh, Melinda on Facebook. I didn't find her. I wasn't looking for her, but you know how you... I bumped into her. <laughs> and uh, I found out that she's been uh, married, you know, three or four times, uh -huh. and she's got six or seven kids and a couple of grandkids. And I was going to go back to Big Mike's and do another update, you know, <laughs> on my leg, because there's no more room on my arms, but I was going to do my legs, but... You know, you got to draw the line someplace. <laughs> well, Dennis, I want to tell you something. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to show your tattoos. Okay. And the audience and I will all be very happy that we're not going to force that upon you. I'll show you. <laughs> but They're a great audience. Great they audience. are a great audience. You're a great comedian. We Thank love you. having you. I this is terrific. It. You can find Dennis Regan's tour schedule. Thank See you. his very Thank funny you. video performances. You can also book him for your event or your own personal tattoo session. You can also drop him a line at DennisRegan.com. Follow him on Twitter at DennisRegan333. And you can have his name tattooed on your arm. That might be interesting as well. But by the way, be sure to check out his YouTube series. It's called That Darn Dennis. And we hope That Darn Dennis will be back on our show sometime soon. Hey, Keith, we're just getting started, so why don't you tell us what's coming up? Well, coming up next is Huck's hero, Sheila Harper, and then Promise Keepers, Ken Harrison and Vance Day. Plus, Country Music's Confederate Railroad will perform right here on Huckabee. The abortion debate has been raging since before Roe v. Wade, over 45 years ago. And now we're dealing with the brutal aftermath of that decision. Tonight's Huck's Hero has taken a different approach to handling this societal crisis. Since the landmark Roe v. Wade court case, nearly 60 million babies have been killed by abortion. 
The rates for abortion go up depending upon factors such as age, race, and marital status. In 2015, 86% of patients receiving an abortion were unmarried. While the numbers for abortion have declined, hundreds of thousands of unborn babies are still killed every year. 879,000 abortions were performed in the year 2017 alone. After having their abortion, many suffer from regret, sadness, and depression. How do you help someone in this situation? Sheila Harper began Save One as a way to help men, women, and families recover and heal from the effects of abortion. Through her organization, Sheila is able to help people process through the pain left behind by abortion and find healing and hope in a loving community and an even more loving God. The public isn't hearing what abortion really does to a woman. One of the women said this, If I could just save one unborn baby, I would be willing to tell my story. Save One is an international organization helping all people deal with the after effects of abortion. And it all began out of the amazing heart of tonight's Huck's hero, Sheila Harper. Sheila, thank you for coming tonight. Thank you. I'm so delighted to have you. And what a hero you really are. Well, that's very nice of you to say. You know, I've said for a long time that in every abortion, there's at least two victims. Mm -hmm. The obvious one is the baby, but the other one is the birth mother who are often talked into this by a mother, grandmother, boyfriend, Mm -hmm. or maybe circumstances or close friends. Absolutely. And then later, women feel an extraordinary sense of guilt and pain. Mm -hmm. How come you know about that? Well, I know about that because of my own abortion that I had on March 29th, 1985. It was by far the most regrettable, most humiliating and horrible choice I have ever made. And so I spent the next seven years after that, just my life just became unhinged. Mm. I uh, attempted suicide during a seven year period. I became reliant upon drugs and alcohol to even get through the day. And it was, it was absolutely, I knew all of these problems stemmed from that one choice that I made. What was the pressure? Did you feel economically pressured or was it so many people in your family just said, oh, mm-hmm. Sheila, you can't deal with a baby right now? What, what pushed you to the point that you thought you had well, no choice? Well, I didn't want to bring shame on my family mm-hmm. because I wasn't married and I was only 19. And I kept thinking the, the Supreme Court when I, you know, at 19 years yeah. old, I'm thinking, well, the Supreme Court is much smarter than me, so mm. they made this legal, so it must be okay. And so I justified it by thinking that, that that was the right choice to make, that there must be more to this issue than what I knew. You said for seven years, mm-hmm. you just had a life that was a living hell from, from that decision. What turned everything around? I found my way to a faith-based Bible study, much mm. like the one Save One offers now. And, and even though it took me a while to go because I was so scared I was going to run into somebody I knew, I finally went and it, it, it was like they gave me back my life on a silver platter. Mm-hmm. And now Save One offers faith-based Bible studies like that. When we started Save One, we started having women come through the class from a book that I wrote, a Bible study that I wrote for women. For a long time, that's all we helped were women. But then we started having so much success with the women, men started asking to go through the women's class. So that's when I wrote the second Bible study for for men. I am seeing all over the country that many of the crisis pregnancy centers now realize that their clients are not just the women. Exactly. Also the men, the Mm -hmm. birth fathers, some of whom wished that the mother had made the choice to keep the babies. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's a delayed reaction and they start having those thoughts too. Absolutely. Nobody was talking about that though 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Nobody was was saying that, but I think the other side was ingenious because they made us believe that this was just a woman's issue and Mm -hmm. it completely shut the men out. And the men are starting to get their voice back and say, that was just as much my child as it was hers. And and it is a loss of fatherhood. But Sheila, you're doing something even more powerful. You're saving lives. Mm -hmm. You are literally saving lives. That has to give you an extraordinary sense of fulfillment. How many chapters of Save One are there across the world? Oh my goodness. What, when I I thought it was just going to be a little Bible study. I thought at my church, we're now on five continents, 
tw or 22 countries mm. in 30 states here in America. We have 245 chapters around the world. It is a beautiful thing. That's why we are so proud Thank you. to call you a Huck's hero for saving babies, saving lives. so honored. Thank you, Sheila. Thank you. Well, if you'd like to start a Save One chapter, or if you're dealing with shame from an abortion, you don't have to just spend the rest of your life racked with guilt and shame. Visit saveone.org. That's saveone.org. You really do need to find the help that you need. All right, Keith, why don't you tell us what's coming up next? Well, coming up, in case you missed its hilarious news stories, plus Promise Keepers Ken Harrison, Advanced Day. Later, Southern Rockers Confederate Railroad takes to the stage on Huckabee. Give it up one more time for Trey Corley and the Music City Connection, our favorite band, Anywhere. Hey, if you subscribe to my twice daily and totally free newsletter, you'd already know the new low that James Comey has sunk to in his desperate desire to save his own neck. And you'd also find out why the mainstream media blamed the president for last week's weather. That's right, the weather. Man, that's one powerful leader who can change the weather. So be sure to drop by MikeHuckabee.com. You can subscribe today. You also, join me on Twitter at GovMikeHuckabee. I'm forecasting sunny skies, lots of truth, and a few laughs as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, from dancing birds to laboratory-created meat, we've got the news that'll make you shout, it's alive, on a segment that we call In Case You Missed It. Startup company Memphis Meats has something that should get your mouth watering. Meat made by the power of science. That's right, it's not raised animals, not butchered animals, just laboratory-created Memphis Meats. They extract cells from a chicken, put them in a nutrient liquid until the cells grow into raw meat. Uma Valetti is the co-founder of Memphis Meats and a former cardiologist. He really put his heart into this, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> he believes that this is the way to enjoy the meat of your choice in the future without the environmental concerns of livestock production. As if I had any concerns about livestock production. <laughs> anyway, his labs have also produced cell-cultured cul beef and duck, which makes me wonder, what does that do to the future of duck hunting? What do I do, shoot a test tube or something? I don't know. <laughs> A recent business report showed that by 2040, nearly 35% of meat eaten globally will be created in labs. My audience feels like I do. I'll be a part of that 65% that will be eating real meat. Yeah. Now, I was gonna make a meat... I was gonna make a meat joke right now, but I think it's been overdone. Now, I gotta wonder, if this happens, normal hot dogs, will they remain with that name and then the laboratory ones will be called Frankenfurters, I wonder? <laughs> I just hope that pun doesn't create any mad scientists. There you go. All right, so everyone knows that cockatoos can learn to speak just like their parrot relatives. But what about dancing? American scientists recently have been wowed by a cockatoo named Snowball. I want you to take a look at this bird's smooth moves that went viral. <laughs> that bird dances a lot better than most of the Baptists I know, I'll tell you that. I do know one thing, this bird should be tweeting out those dance moves because John Travolta's got nothing on Snowball. <laughs> All right, Dateline, York County, Pennsylvania. 
A DoorDash delivery driver has apparently been feasting on the orders of customers before presenting them. Mr. Chris Payton revealed that when he opened his order of barbecued ribs, the driver had enjoyed two of them along with his french fries. <laughs> but I think the driver just licked the salt off the fries, so those were okay. <laughs> now, Peyton took photos of his taste-tested order, noting that two of the ribs appeared to be torn off with bite marks in them. <laughs> Perhaps the dasher just thought they were spare ribs. <laughs> hmm. I mean, if this had been me, even if I was hungry enough to steal barbecue, I just wouldn't brisk it. <laughs> All right, there have been so many unique and sometimes dangerous ways of sneaking cocaine into countries, like tamales, frozen sharks, and even athletic footwear, giving a whole new meaning to the phrase, just do it. But what about a toupee? That tops them all, yeah. A very nervous fellow from Colombia recently arrived in Barcelona, Spain, and he, he garnered the attention of security for his very distinct-looking wig. It was rather tall for a man's hairpiece, so when security officers asked him to remove his wig, they discovered a pound of cocaine glued to his head. That cocaine may have weighed more than his brain, quite frankly. The balding man found himself in an even hairier situation when police arrested him. The Spanish police must have thought the incident was truly hair-raising. <laughs> and I guess you could say the guy was some drug cartel bigwig. <laughs> By the way, you know what you call a group of rabbits hopping backwards? What? A receding hairline. <laughs> Well, just like a politically correct comedian at an open mic night, we've run out of time. But never forget that we read the news. Well, now that we've gotten all those very interesting and important news stories out of the way, we can move on to the rest of the show. And let me tell you, you're going to want to stick around. And Keith Bilbrey is going to tell you why you do. Well, next, the return of Promise Keepers, plus Confederate Railroad performs. Lots more Huckabee is on the way. Well, you just heard how Franklin Graham and Samaritan's Purse are living out the words of Jesus to assist the widowed, poor, and strangers who are in need. This type of help and love given to those on our southern border doesn't grab a lot of headlines, but it does mend broken lives and offers hope and salvation to people's hearts. Why don't you consider giving a financial gift to bring relief and blessings to immigrants along our border? Call Samaritan's Purse at the number on your screen. Visit their website. You really can make a difference now, and you can make a difference that will last into eternity. Well, back in the 1990s, millions of men across America attended massive rallies in stadiums that were life-changing for these husbands, fathers, and young men. In an era where masculinity is branded by some to be toxic, Promise Keepers is back, helping a new generation of men fulfill their biblical roles as good husbands, fathers, friends, and servant leaders. From Promise Keepers, please welcome Chairman Ken Harrison and President Vance Day. Good to have you both here, Ken. Vance, thank you for joining us. Vance, you've been with us a couple of times before, this in a completely new role, but you were here because you were in all kinds of conflict with the uh, state of Oregon over your judgeship, which you were a judge. Before we get into the Promise Keepers, just tell us how that finally got resolved. Well, Governor, it was a great privilege to serve the state of Oregon as a judge. And when uh, they came after me for not uh, agreeing to marry same-sex couples, it was a little bit traumatic. But there were thousands upon thousands of people, including your viewers, yeah. who stepped up to the plate and helped us through that four-year battle. And the bottom line is, their case collapsed. I was totally exonerated. And... Uh, great news. <laughs> it is good news. And, Ken, Ken. and so now you're working with Ken, with Promise Keepers, and, and I think it's exciting that Promise Keepers is back. Ken, let's talk about 
How did Promise Keepers, it kind of went dark for a while. I mean, it, there, we didn't hear about the big stadium rallies. What was the, maybe the genesis that caused you and others to say, it's time to bring this back and bring it to a whole new generation of young men in America? Well, I watched the news. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good point. I started asking myself, who's my daughter going to marry? Hmm. Who's going to teach my sons how to be a man? And uh, too many men aren't doing their jobs, and they haven't been taught by their fathers how to teach their kids how to be men, how to, how to teach young women to have self-esteem and to value themselves and for their future husbands. You know, I think sometimes we forget that the primary role of a parent is to train his or her replacement. That's right. And if, if we're not actively doing that, we've got very confused, chaotic kids, and that's what we're seeing a lot with younger people, utterly lost in a culture that doesn't even say that it's okay to be masculine. It's okay to be a man. What's wrong with us? The book of Malachi, God says, the purpose of marriage is I want godly offspring. That's our whole point. Yeah. And men are responsible for teaching their families scripture. So Vance, uh, we're gonna see the first big rally of Promise Keepers coming up in Arlington, Texas, at a little venue called the AT&T Stadium there that seats about 100,000 people. Tell us about that event. You imagine 80,000 men together, praising God, repenting, understanding who they are in Dallas Cowboy Stadium. That'll happen July 31st and August 1st, 2020. But our plan is to simulcast it to 20 to 30,000 locations, if that's possible, Governor. 20 or 30,000 locations? We want to touch the lives of between 4 and 5 million men that weekend. Wow. That is an ambitious <laughs> goal for sure. Ken, how, uh, how would you begin between now? I mean, that's a year away, almost exactly a year away. What do you do to, to get that many individual men and churches and men's groups to be prepared for something like that. You know, you reach the pastors. Um, they're desperate for help. And it, it's, things have changed so much. In the 90s, the church wasn't necessarily aligned with Promise Keepers in a lot of ways. Now we're finding it completely different. Pastors are desperate for help. They don't mm. know what to do with their men. Uh, pornography is an epidemic in, in the world and in the church. And pastors don't know how to deal with it. And so we're gonna take on two issues very specifically next, next year, abortion, because there's never been an abortion in the history of the world a man didn't have something to do with, hmm. and pornography, because it's destroying families. You know, a lot of times, people don't think that abortion has anything to do with men, and you think it's only a women's issue. Hmm. And you're saying that's just not an accurate depiction. And certainly we understand about the biological fact, but we're also seeing men who say, wait a minute, you're about to end the life, not just of your baby, but mine. And, and I want to have a say in that. That's absolutely right. And we also need to be concerned for, for women we had nothing to do with. There are a lot of women out there who are hurting. They're pregnant and, and that man has left her. What are we doing in the church to take care of that woman? We, let's reach out to them and take care of their needs so that they can choose to have their baby until we can reverse that awful law. When Promise Keepers was at its peak back in the 90s, I remember a lot of the criticism from feminists who said, uh, you know, this is all about subjugating women and making them inferior. Respond to that criticism from 20 years ago? Well, it's understandable, Governor, that women feel that men have sometimes lorded it over them because men have. Yeah. But men aren't designed to lead that way, to love that way. We are designed to sacrifice ourselves for others. Mm -hmm. And so what's happened is, is men have checked out. But the reality is, is men make men. It takes a man to help a younger man understand how they fit into society, how they lead, how they do marriage. And so that's why Promise Keepers is, and hundreds of men's ministries along with it, are so needed today. And that's why it's coming back. Ken, you've got a book, it's called The Rise. The Rise of the Servant Kings. And I think it's an important title. When you talk about servant kings, I mean, that's not something that I just hear in daily conversation. What is a servant king? Every man is responsible to be a king in his own sphere, to be a leader in his sphere. A single man, to stand up for the poor and the oppressed, to stand up for justice, as God says he wants in Isaiah. Uh, for a, a married man to be a king, a leader to his wife and kids, but as a servant, not as a ruler, but as someone who lays down his life for his family like Christ did for the church, as it says in Ephesians 5.25. Well, I hope people will, first of all, get the book, Rise of the Servant Kings, and download a free chapter of the book 
at riseoftheservantkings.com. Get a little taste of it. I bet you'll want the whole book. You'll also find Ken on social media through his handle at Ken R. Harrison. You can pre-register already for the Big Promise Keepers event in Arlington, Texas, July the 31st and August the 1st, 2020. It's a year from now at promisekeepers.org. And I hope that indeed millions and millions of men will be a part of this extraordinary, extraordinary weekend. Keith Bilbrey is going to rise to the challenge himself and tell us how we're going to finish off this wonderful night. Well, coming up, they banned them in Illinois, but we're happy to have them. Country Music's Confederate Railroad performs next on Huckabee. And welcome back to the show. In the early 1990s, my next guest started making rockin' country music as a band in Atlanta, Georgia, with hits like Trashy Women, Daddy Never Was the Cadillac Kind, and When You Leave That Way, You Can Never Go Back. They sold over five million copies of their albums. Please welcome to the show the founder and lead singer of Confederate Railroad, Danny Shirley. Danny, welcome. Thank you. I got to be honest with you, I have loved your music. I've got a whole bunch of it on my own iTunes and listen to it regularly. Well, uh, you know, when, when I came to your truck today as you were leaving, was, playing Confederate Railroad music, I, I, thought, I was doing that. I yeah. like this guy already. One of the things that has happened to Confederate R Railroad here just recently is just crazy. And when I first heard it, I thought it was a joke. Uh, you guys were scheduled to play in Southern Illinois at a, at a state fair for Illinois. Yes. And you got a call and they said, hey, you know, the name Confederate, we, we're worried about that. Well, you know, the strange thing is we'd played that fair a couple of times before over the years yeah. with no issues. And um, uh, they had me make a statement on the reason I named the band Confederate Railroad. <laughs> when I got the record, I was living in Kennesaw, Georgia. And uh, the train, the general <laughs> from Andrews uh -huh. Raiders, uh, the old Disney movie and all, uh, is housed in Kennesaw where it was uh, taken by the uh, Andrews Raiders and recaptured in Chattanooga. So my whole life, I've heard stories about this train. And uh, there used to be lawsuits about, uh, well, we want it in Chattanooga. No, we're going to keep it in Kennesaw. And I just wanted something that said, uh, you know, kind of paid homage to where I was from and where I lived. Sure. And, uh, and that's where the name came from. You know, the interesting thing, it's almost though you've taken lemons and you've turned them into lemonade because now the band is going to be playing at uh, another event, raising money for honor flights so that yes. mm -hmm. uh, World War II veterans can go and see the World War II Memorial. And, and you know, the but, fans did the right thing by standing with uh, the band and, and I think a lot of people that maybe aren't even into country music just saw how silly this really was. Yeah, a lot of the people that <laughs> did make comments that uh, weren't country music fans had yeah. no clue who we were. Uh, then on the other hand, we had uh, Friends like uh, the Oak Ridge Boys and Charlie Daniels come to our defense. Yeah. And um, one reason I wanted to go ahead and book this show, though, up there, and it's the week after the fair was supposed to be, that we're supposed to be at the fair, is uh, I thought it might kind of help ease tensions up there a little bit. You know, mm -hmm. well, we are going to come. Just everybody kind of chill out a little bit. But uh, well, I'm looking I, forward to it. You know, what I hope is that the date's now September the 5th in Marion, Illinois, at the Black Diamond Harley-Davidson Festival. You know, two things I hope. Number one, I hope that there is the biggest crowd they've ever had at that event. <laughs> I hope you raise a lot of money for the veterans, and I hope everybody watching the show uh, downloads a whole bunch of Confederate Railroad music and buys CDs and albums and everything else because there's no better way to say we're not going to let crazy people run the country than that. Uh, well, we didn't bring Danny here just to talk, so obviously we're going to do a little music. And as Confederate Railroad gets ready to perform, our good pal Keith Bilbrey is going to tell you how you can get your hands on their great music. Well, to purchase their music and view concert schedules, including the Marion, Illinois concert on September 5th, please go to confederaterailroad.com. And drop by Huckabee.tv for an exclusive performance of Jesus and Mama after the show. Now, here to perform Elvis and Andy with Mike sitting in on bass is Confederate Railroad. Yeah, being from the South, I 
white pig of Georgia Peach or Mississippi Queen or Dallas baby Tom. But I made a little blonde from above and beyond the Mason Dixon line. Now she ain't a Dixie dumpling, but let me tell you something. Lord, she more than qualified. She likes Elvis. She likes Sandberg. She just has pretty ass baby. She's the number one fan of old Graceland. They bury RFD. She ain't a southern male, but it's hard to tell. Got everything. She likes Elvis. She likes Andrew. So she's fine and Christmas to try some southern dishes. My mama's famous home. But my mama threw a fit cause she wouldn't eat her grits. It was looking like a silly war. But I was hoping like a devil that they'd meet up in the middle. But neither one does. Then I heard them in the kitchen laughing in a giggle. Singing hunger, hunger, burning love. She likes Elvis. She likes Andy. She just has pretty ass baby. She's the number one fan of Graceland. They bury RFB. She ain't a southern fan, but it's hard to tell. Got it one thing. She likes Elvis. She likes Andy. So she's She likes Elvis, she likes Andy.